This is Agri-Futures On Air, brought to you by Agri-Futures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Hello there, I'm Chris Brown. Today I'll be speaking to Cara Peake, who is one of the winners of the Agri-Futures Rural Women's Award. Now, what struck me most about these amazing award winners is that they bring a passion to their work and an idealism that can often be missing from modern business. They simply love what they're doing. If you think about it, for example, the original carpenters were good at building things and they must have enjoyed their work and most likely enjoyed passing on their knowledge. (laughs) The first person to count to 10 probably couldn't wait to teach someone else and before long we had accountants. And of course, we see that passion and living history in Indigenous cultures, not only in Australia, but around the world. Kara Peak is the CEO of Saltwater Country, based in Broome in Western Australia. Kara is the winner of the WA AgriFutures Rural Women's Award. Kara has vision and, importantly, a roadmap which guides her work. But living and working in Broome, far away from modern population centres, must have its challenges, but also its rewards. So let's find out from Cara Peak what life's like in Broome. Well, that's a multifaceted question. Living in Broome is, you know, the epitome of regional and remote lifestyle. You have direct connection to country and culture, you know, a, a couple of minutes from the beach and the bush and, and all those amazing things. It does pose its challenges in terms of the tyranny of distance to the rest of the country, being that we're closer to Singapore than we are to Sydney. So as you can imagine, the accessibility and the opportunities that are afforded to people in the Kimberley is very different to that of any capital city. However, it is just a beautiful place to be, a very interconnected, historically multicultural community with a lot of old families that have been here for a long time and have had those international connections to Southeast Asia and therefore the cultures there as well. So it's been a melting pot for a very long time and traditionally one of the country's most multicultural places. So, yes, yeah, not a bad place to be. And your family obviously has been there for many, many years. Yeah, so my family, well, I'm a Yaru Bunaba person, so Yaru from the Broome area, obviously bigger than that, but that's where we live, and Bunaba from Fitzroy Crossing. And my family, my mum's family, also has Chinese heritage as well. So it's a real example of that melting pot for a very long time. The Yaru people have, of course, been here since time immemorial and then accepted other people as, as they've come along, my grandfather being one of them. Let's talk about your background. You are a lawyer and in the past you've worked with First Nations people in Canada and the US. That says to me that you really are about community. Tell me more about that background. Uh, yeah, so that's correct. I trained as a solicitor with a specialty in native title law. I started my studies at Melbourne University and then I finished those studies at UBC in Canada in Vancouver in Canada and the work has taken me across Australia both at the federal court level at the native title representative body level so looking at different facets of the law 
of course, working at the federal court as a research associate and then judges associate also enabled me to experience other areas of the law beyond native title. But I'd always kind of known that I wanted my work to directly affect in a positive way the first Australians and whether that be in my own community or in other parts of the country. When I went and completed my law degree in Canada through an exchange program, I then went on to do some project work in the Northwest Territories, never been so cold in my entire life. Um, (laughs) It was in October, the snowdrifts were way taller than me and my eyelashes freeze together. And I did some work there and it was beautiful, you know, essentially from seeing Aurora Borealis down to working with the San Carlos Apache people in Arizona on legal aid projects and scholarship programs and basically building relationships with the tribe at the time. And I've since gone back and also maintained those relationships and and the friendships that I created there as well. Then returning to Australia, of course, to put my Australian law degree into practice and represent traditional owners in the native title process, predominantly in the Kimberley region. Did you find a lot of similarities in terms of issues uh, between First Nation people in Canada and the US and in Australia? Well, firstly, I would say the the stark similarities that actually stand out are the hope, the resilience and the humour. And the First Nations people globally come from a strength-based mindset and approach, staying strong in their law and culture. And no doubt there is absolutely similarities in terms of the lived experience of colonisation and the ramifications and the legacy of that. And those are a lot of the challenges that First Nations people in globalised and colonised countries actually face every day. And that's largely in part because not only of the trauma that was endured, the intergenerational trauma that continues to this day, the high rates of suicide or domestic violence and it's not to say that there aren't high rates of both of these things in other parts of the country and other cultures so it's important to remember that it is not just the first Australians that are enduring this but it is the first Australians that have had high levels of intergenerational untreated trauma and unacknowledged trauma that results in despair and despair can lead to a variety of things and anybody that has experienced trauma is to an extent in survival mode, not thriving mode. Just one more point to cover off before we get to your project. You often mention cultural integrity when it comes to designing programs of any sort for Aboriginal people. What does that mean to you? Well, for me, cultural integrity is first starting the process with the voice of First Australians, not having mainstream, non-Indigenous people coming in and designing solutions for the first Australians. It must come from the ground up, must be people-centred and place-based and culturally relevant. And in terms of the cultural integrity piece, that is in line with the methodology that we have been embodying since time immemorial is this continual flow, the stewardship of information, of the land, of looking after our people and coming full circle, checking in. Is this still relevant? Is this how you want it to run? Is this how it should be designed? What is the true culturally intelligent co-design process whereby the non-Indigenous parties that may be involved in that process are not leading it? They're the technical specialists that support it and need to be invested in its success. Okay, so let's talk about saltwater country. Tell me about that. What is it all about? 
So Saltwater Country is an organisation that is built off the legacy and strength of Aboriginal stockmen and stockwomen. Many people don't know that a huge amount of our pastoral industry in this country was built off the backs of our people for free. And what we are trying to do is take the level of resilience and skill and nostalgia to a degree and embody that in the path forward and in our people that want to be on the land and enables them to have a pathway into agribusiness or tourism or or whatever, but also stay true to their cultural roots. And the pastoral industry is embedded in many, many first Australians in this part of the country. And also so is the sport of rodeo and camp drafting, horse riding, et cetera, that has stemmed from that. Because back in the day, and to an extent still to this day, the symbol of the Aboriginal cowboy or cowgirl is a symbol of freedom. It's an ability to get on a horse, be on your country, provide for your family, work, but also stay true to your law and culture. And that's what we're trying to achieve in innovative ways through saltwater country. Yeah, the iconic Aboriginal stockman, it doesn't take much to conjure up that image in, in your head, does it? It is, as you say, a part of the, the pastoral industry, not only in the Kimberley, but in many, many other parts of Australia as well. Yes, definitely. I mean, I speak to the Kimberley because that's where my country is, but that's not to discount the contribution of First Australians across this nation in the pastoral industry and that continue to contribute and really enjoy the ability to be connected to country and also be economically independent and look after their families. So that is extremely important. And with Saltwater Country, what we're trying to do is look at the skill sets that we have in-house and through the events that we deliver and treat them as teachable moments where we can train other people to do them. It doesn't matter if it's uh, media and marketing, risk and logistics, stock management, whatever it is, and create genuine training and work opportunities so that people are paid to do the work and then they can use that skill set and hopefully go and work somewhere else or they can work for us again. We're, we're not really possessive in that nature and provide access and opportunities that are not readily available in rural and remote communities. Okay, so I'm getting the, the picture here. So you might stage an event like a camp draft or big rodeo and all the people that are needed to put that together, that's a chance for them to get that training that you talked about. Is that how it works? Yeah, so Saltwater Country is essentially has a couple of, uh, for want of a better term, business units or business arms. One is Saltwater Academy, where the more formalised training occurs through partnerships and live event experience. And the other piece is Rhythm and Ride, which is the actual large-scale event that we run on an annual basis. Now, if anybody out there can, you know, close their eyes and imagine going to a large event, it could be a music festival could be a multicultural festival, a sporting event perhaps. And as you look around, you can see all the moving parts. You can see the people, you know, setting up the stage or performing music and behind the scenes people. You can see your hospitality, your marketing, etc. So all of those things, those people had to learn at some point in their life. And Saltwater Country is designed to deliver that live event experience as well as formalised training with our partners, Galari Media and Aganya Limited at, at this time, to enable people to have accredited training and free form training 
as well as paid work experience. So you're building up confidence, you're building up skill sets. It's in an environment that a lot of the community love anyway, which is the support of sport of rodeo and camp draft. And also the almost kinship that First Australians have with country music and providing that opportunity for local bands to perform and um, obviously local production companies and things like that. So everything is teachable and what we are trying to do is provide a rite of passage for our people in this area where in 20, 30 years' time, 50 years' time, they can look back and say to their children or their grandchildren, that's where I got my first job. That's the event that I trained at. And the people that come after them can also do the same thing. So we're creating a rite of passage. We're providing skills development, but also connections into industries that are relevant to their local environment. Of course, Broome and the Kimberley is largely reliant on the tourism industry, on the agricultural industry, et cetera. So there's a direct line into those types of opportunities as well. How do you make the connection between the at-risk people, the people maybe who are, as you say, disengaged from the community? How do you make the connection between what you're doing and those people? So it's interesting when we talk about disengage, we need to think about what they're disengaged from. Are they disengaged from their culture and their community or are they disengaged from a Western education system? and therefore connected potentially, not everybody, to a Western justice system. So what is the level of disengagement that they have? Because when we're talking about the things that we deliver, we have a captive audience. They turn up. They enjoy watching their families take part. They often take part themselves and they start to build their confidence and understand their worth. There's a few there that are disengaged from everything, but when you bring out a horse in front of what people tell me is a disengaged kid and that kid will stand still, feed that horse, pat that horse, brush that horse, maybe garner the courage to ride that horse, that's not a disengaged child in that moment and that's what we're vying for. Do you experience that moment often? You know, over the last couple of years in particular, we have people that we know may be struggling in other parts of their lives, but they show up and they take part, they participate in what we're doing because it's relevant to them. We have kids as young as six or seven coming up and thanking us for doing what we're doing, like garnering up enough courage and confidence to come up to somebody that they've never met before and just say, thank you, miss. We don't get stuff like this. Or to have your super quiet Indigenous ringers come up, shake your hand and say, you know, we're really proud of what's happening. You know, thank you. We can't believe we're doing this because they see people that look like them, see people that have a similar lived experience to them and also see people that are willing to listen and learn from them and their lived experience. And so Saltwater Country is Indigenous or First Nations run from top to bottom. Other people are more than welcome to come along and experience it with us and we do learn from a couple of the industry experts along the way. But ultimately it is built for the legacy and success of the First Australians. It's the cultural integrity you were talking about. Absolutely. Now, an interesting part of the project is you're teaching tomorrow's cowboys as well, as well as the audio people and your video people, your catering people. You're teaching tomorrow's cowboys. Absolutely. So... As I mentioned earlier, there's a 
level of resilience and strength that is garnered from the Aboriginal stockmen and stockwomen that came before us, but also from the rodeo competitors. So we have people of all different ages, fathers, sons, mothers, aunties, daughters, whatever, take part in the different clinics that we have run so far. Notably is when we had last year Adriana Marias, who's a three-time pro bull riding champion from Brazil, flew 30 hours to come to Broome and run bull riding clinics for our people. And many of the dads or uncles in particular said, where was this when we were kids? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. He is their absolute idol. They A lot of them were starstruck in the beginning because they've only ever seen him on Foxtel. And then next minute he was standing in front of them, shaking their hand, having a yarn and a laugh about rodeo days, but also sharing knowledge and experience. And anything that the boys can do, we think the girls can do. So if they've got enough courage and they put their hand up to do it, they can take part in the bull riding clinics or anything else that we offer. We also trained up a number of rodeo officials. So our affiliated organisation is the Australian Bushmen's Camp Draft and Rodeo Association. And the team there have been very helpful and positive about training people locally. So when they come up and we run an event, we have uh, local people that can shadow the officials and learn from the judges on the job and can actually start their more formal education in that space as well so that they can then be trained up, signed off and endorsed by the ABCRA eventually and then go and undertake paid judging or officials like employment at other rodeos across the country because it's nationally affiliated. So there are direct pathways into other employment opportunities within the rodeo industry as well. Yeah, it's just wonderful. I just want to go back to the gender issue with bull riding. I don't think gender has anything to do with it. I think it's all up to courage, <laughs> nothing oh, more. 100% and, and there's nothing stronger than a Kimberley woman, I tell you. So if they want to do it, then they're supported to do it. And even with the officials training, we had a quite a funny uh, turn of events where the judges from the ABCIA were extremely impressed with the knowledge and skills of the girls that were doing the judging training that already had a huge amount of knowledge around what it takes to get the right score and the nuances involved in judging. And so they were really excited about that potential. And then a lot of both our aspiring competitors as well as aspiring officials we can create pathways into not only the Australian circuit, but if they're committed enough and if we can support them, we well, once the borders open up, of course, we will support them to find opportunities potentially in the US or Canada or, or wherever. In fact, just the other day, we were invited to attend a bull riding clinic and trip around Brazil by Adriano himself who is continuing that relationship and those access and opportunities internationally. Cara, you won the Rural Women's Award for Western Australia. That must have been a a bit of a thrill, a bit of recognition of the work that you've been doing. Yeah, it was was a surprise (laughs) because often you are so embedded in the work that you don't take the time to take a breath and sit up and look back at what you have actually achieved keeping in mind that I'm, of course, not the only person that's been involved in saltwater country. I am the founder, but there are a lot of other people that have banked on my social capital or um, their interest in 
first Australians achieving and um, have enabled us to achieve this. But in winning the Rural Women's Award or the Agri-Futures Rural Women's Award for 2020 in WA, it was a great recognition and will also, I hope, help to build the networks and the understanding of the broader community, particularly the agribusiness community, as to what we're working on, what we're trying to achieve, and also how they can help. So hopefully, as I get opportunities like this podcast or increased media, that people will start to sit up and listen and truly hear us. And I hope to be able to get that message across at Nationals next year. As you mentioned, you start from a zero budget each year. I imagine that the $10,000 bursary that you received from Westpac as a part of this award has probably gone into that budget, has it? Well, actually, the $10,000 bursary from Westpac has actually gone into a low bono arrangement with Deloitte's who are helping us to develop a business plan and financial modelling for Saltwater Country and in particular the Saltwater Academy piece. And we hope to go from there with their support to also then develop full financial modelling and impact measurement systems so that we can show the proof in the pudding in terms of what we're achieving, how we're achieving it and how what we're doing is different and is getting better outcomes for our people. So that money started that journey and that was the original intent of that as well because now we need to look at how we tell the story in a way that potential funders, investors, whomever it might be, interpret that information and how they're used to receiving that information. And so if we can tell the story accurately, then it's hoped through this work with Deloitte that that will enable us to get more consistent funding and be supported in the long term. Well, Cara, it's really noble work that you're doing. It's just fantastic. And I'm sure everyone listening to this would agree with me that you've done some amazing work. You and your supporters have done some amazing work and can only wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about it today. Cara Peak from Saltwater Country. And as I said at the start, Cara has a vision and importantly, a roadmap that she's following. It was truly great to learn about the work she's doing in far-off Broome in Western Australia. Keep listening to AgriFutures On Air for more stories from other winners of the AgriFutures Rural Women's Award coming up over the next few weeks. My name is Chris Brown. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a weekly podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia. 